Welcome back to the With Joe Eby podcast. Luke's back with me again. We're on to our next thought leader, Luke. A, a big favorite of yours, Tim Ferriss. Big favorite. Very much looking forward to this, Joe. Oh, well, you always, you always are. But I know that you're especially a big fan of Tim. So for people who don't know who Ferris is, hard to put in one bucket. I, I, like I did a bit of thinking about this. How do we introduce him? Okay. He's well-known in business circles. He's a go-to for things like lifestyle design, self-experimentation, high performance, health, lots. <laughs> he keeps going. Very prominently known for his books, for Tools of Titans, The 4-Hour Workweek was The Breakthrough. We'll talk about that a lot, The 4-Hour Chef and The 4-Hour Body. But he's most active currently, I think, with his famous podcast, The Tim Ferriss Show, which is wide-ranging but centered around high performance. He's unpacked some of the world's most noteworthy entrepreneurs, leaders, athletes, performers. Very good podcast, had a big role in my early development. So yeah, it's no surprise that he also has some pretty sage career and life advice to share. He's invested in companies, written books, started businesses, dominated the podcasting scene, podcasting scene rather, but also explored practical philosophy, learnt the need to find greater balance in life, pursue more meaningful things, and explored health and psychedelics as a means to overcome his own personal trauma from childhood uh, and episode childhood abuse, sorry, and episodes of manic depression. Woof. So yeah, following on from Taleb, from Peter Till. Yeah, from Alan Watts and Naval Ravikant. That's who we've done beforehand. This is our next modern thought leader to unpack on the With Joe Eby podcast. One of my earliest sort of entrepreneurial role models as well. Luke, I think we'll have about two weeks worth of episodes. Every, every episode's a short daily episode, as you'll be familiar if anyone's new listening to the show. Uh, they'll all kind of build on each other. I think Ferris gives us lots of different ideas. We can build from uh, learning and stuff like that and then go into career and life and then into the four-hour work week. And then a big reminder to anyone listening, some of the easy ways to make this more digestible, if you go to the show notes on YouTube or podcast player that you're using, there's a link everythingjoewithjoeweeby.com forward slash everythingjoe. You can sign up to the Dorman newsletter there and get the five biggest highlights of the podcast once a week. Also, su- subscribing on YouTube. It's a pretty easy place to follow. and But I'll also have a blog post on the With Joe Weeby website unpacking all these ideas and a little bit more that we couldn't fit into the episodes. Oh, Luke, I'm exhausted. All right, is that enough intro for you? Yep. <laughs> That'll do. Okay, so, yep, we're going to start with his thoughts on learning. All right, so if I go to you now, Luke, and ask you, for you personally, right, where are times you've noticed that you learnt, you've learnt really, really fast? Can you think of one example? I mean, knowing you, I would assume something like running or sales might be examples. I don't know if uni and tests and exams, but are there any examples of times where you feel like you learnt very, very quickly? Quickly? Hmm. I guess... Or rather, what, what's, particular. what speeds up your learning curve, you think? I think I think focus is a big thing. So having... Focus, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's... I'm not sure if it's specifically mentioned in Tim Ferriss's book, but having focused time slots where you're not distracted yep. sort of helps tremendously. And also one of the key Tim Ferriss ideas, which I'm pretty sure we'll go into, is doing the important things, the things that actually move the needle. So yeah, focusing on... So it's about 80-20, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So being able to identify... Whenever I've been able to identify 
key things like for example in running is like doing a applicable doing a, a specific session that's going to improve a specific function well okay, as opposed good. to just yeah as opposed to just like run running around and, and not being intentional about training is a very yeah just go for a run every oh yeah i'm training i'm going for a run and not yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. deeply about that which that has its place but mm-hmm. thinking following like a specific program will i guess accelerate the way you improve great word to use accelerate because today i want to start with his four steps for accelerated learning and i think this is in bits of the four-hour work week but also in other interviews he's and stuff he's done online. I'll go back to, so, you know, you talk about him. I think he's, the four steps are number one, raising the stakes. I think that will be part of focus. But I think also when you set yourself a big challenge, <laughs> put it this way, if you buy an online course, but no one's enforcing you to do it, you can access the material anytime. The stakes are really low university and school try and overcome this by giving you tests and exams that make you you need to pass them so you can progress in some sort of trajectory but they lean too far into it the stakes are too separate from what you're actually supposed to be learning right tests about psychology didn't really make me a better psychologist and it actually kind of destroys the learning but they're trying to raise the stakes whereas when you don't have the stakes it's too easy to pass it up so, for example, Ferris, when he was learning jiu-jitsu, one of the many things he applied this towards, he would face pros in the ring to raise the stakes instead of just practicing quietly away from the big arena, competing with poker pros and staking his own money when it came to poker and playing in front of a packed audience, right? Raises the stakes more than doing research or playing smaller games online. Very simple idea. Obviously, you don't want to do too much too quick, but I think the point here is that like for you guys in running, Instead of just trying to unpack scientifically what, what makes running work, also if you decide I'm going to do a marathon, that is raising the stakes, then you're forced to actually grow. Yeah, massively. I can get, if I just quickly, <laughs> that was actually a very recent thing that happened is I had a session I was meant to do on, on Saturday yep. and I didn't, it was easy, sort of easy to drop out if you don't have a race that you're linking it directly to. Exactly. Because you can kind of just mentally... You know, I'm not training for anything specific. Exactly. So, yeah. So, I think that's that's just one thing I can think of. Yeah. Well, that's just step one, right? Yeah. Step two, use fear as fuel. So, he learned tips from a surf pro and realized that fear often tells us what we shouldn't do, but also tells us exactly what we should do. And then we'll go into fear setting later on for overcoming fear. Thank you, Tim Ferriss, for also covering that. But that is, a, it's the paradox of fear, isn't it? It's the most useful thing for telling us what we shouldn't do but also what we should do. Hilarious. I think that's pretty clear. Step number three, which you alluded to, focus on the 20% of actions that will drive 80% of results. Very straightforward. So for example, when he was trying his hand at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he didn't try and learn and master every single technique in the book. Rather, he intently focused on the guillotine choke, one of the most effective moves in the sport. I thought that was pretty, that's a pretty clever example right you've got all these things you could learn you feel intimidated but if you actually focus on the most effective thing to do what you're doing or you you can easily figure out what that is that's an example of the the famous Pareto law or 80 20 principle that's pretty valuable i think personal example there's so many things i could learn i've found as you know luke i found like practical philosophy is actually the most effective thing because it helps me with any sort of 
career pursuit and what's a career to be honest but also helps me with any life pursuit so i've found like philosophy is actually the most practical thing uh what naval talked about how warren buffett and the big investors of the world don't actually read investing books they're more into history and philosophy and Stuff like that. It's actually probably what makes them better investors. So for me, that is like a ripe 80-20 rule. Like Einstein stopped reading physicists and started referencing philosophers in his papers on physics. So I think that is a juicy example. And number four, which might relate to running a lot, I think, chunk things down. When he learned Tagalog, an Austronesian language, God, he's a weirdo, spoken in the Philippines. Tim found ways to not get overwhelmed by the vastness of a language, its idiosyncrasies, blah, blah, blah. He came up a list of his de- <laughs> deconstruction dozen, a list of about 12 basic sentences that make up the foundation of any language. And then he basically learnt those, long story short. So when you can actually break things down into the units, I think it's similar to, to step number three focusing on the 20% of actions Mm. that would drive the 80% of results. But that's, I just think that that's, he's kind of funny how he just goes straight to the point. And I think it's powerful because most people are not, most people are taking huge, huge detours to what they want to learn. And they're going about it in highly ineffective ways, blowing it out by numbers of years, if not decades often. Um, Yeah. Joe, do you, do you you have a specific example? I'm keen to, no, just in terms of the 80-20 principle, can you think of anything in your life recently where you've applied that? It's almost something I'm going through right now. Like I've kind of felt a bit of overwhelm, to be honest, the last month or so, month or two. And I've really been reflecting on, I think working and writing and everything has just, I've just kind of started doing it 24-7 because I was in mm-hmm. lockdown and it was just easy. And then I realize it's highly ineffective. And then I always have to think, uh, well, I can't write about absolutely everything. I can't uh, learn about absolutely everything. I can't teach people about or share things about absolutely everything. So I'm kind of in the process right now of actually refining that and cutting things back. And so I've realized that for me, blog writing, even though I've neglected neglected it for a bit, that is one of the most central actual habits for me that actually grounds the day and keeps me focused. Mm. So I've realized, wow, that is a 20% item that actually creates 80% of the thinking, the calmness, the focus, and helps me keep perspective actually really important. Whereas it felt like a luxury before. Uh, I feel like maybe I have to prioritize this or that. I'm actually realizing that is, a, that is part of the, like, the actual priority that actually has to be prioritized. That is a bedrock. So it takes some time. It wasn't easy to figure out what was amiss, but it's, yep. that's, that's helped me become calmer. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the most recent example. I've done it a lot though. I remember even in real estate, got to a point where we flipped our model just before COVID. I've talked about this on the podcast before. And when we yep. went for a much more aggressive kind of model, where it was like lower price, but actually more service. And that was very 80-20. Like I realized, look at where the fat was. The fat was in, you know, like inefficient systems in real estate and stuff like that. And where was the value? The value is obviously getting a, getting a result. So yep. you're rethinking about, okay, what's the most effective way to actually get a result for people? And it's probably a bit intangible because I won't go into the nuts and bolts of 
say say the model. No, no, might no. Get a, might get a bit That's boring. A good but it was it was part of making a pivot. And I think that is because you eventually get to a point where you get overwhelmed. You have all these ideas, you have all these things you want to do, and you're mm. thinking, shit, how can I do it all? And you're forced to 80-20. You don't really have a choice up to a point. So is there because I know Tim delves into specific questions. In well, we're going to have a whole episode on that actually in, and I can tell you. Ah, how long. I've gotten ahead of myself. Oh, mate. Well, it's good. You know where it's at. Uh, you can see my screen. It's actually the one of the last ones we do. So it'll okay. be it'll be in March. Should be in early March if you can All see right, that. Everyone list. listening. <laughs> there's a, that one. There's a bit Hang of a hook. That one. But yeah, but there's there's about uh, eight questions there for eighty twenty in your life. Oh, fantastic! So we can go through it then. I think that is a yeah, and that's going to be pretty useful because it's a hard, not an easy thing to do. <laughs> mm. I think if you would agree with me. Yeah, it's very. You have to be very intentional. You can't just. Yeah, it's something you have to sit down and think about to identify. Yeah, it's it's not always obvious, you mm. know. But I think. Overall, for a young person, uh, especially someone early in their career uh, or early just uh, post high school, I think this is <laughs> this is something that's really hard to do at a young age because uh, you haven't really gotten that data yet and you're relying a lot on other – you're just curious about certain things that you go into or someone's told you you should study this or you should go into that industry and that's a smart thing to do. Uh, I, I think – keeping this principle always in the back of your mind, it will keep coming up because you will hit a stage of overwhelm. And the question is always, what's the most effective way? You know, like Ferris thinks, how can I get straight to the point? And the biggest thing I encourage uh, people to do, but I am biased because it was my own experience, was that step one, specifically, Luke, the challenge, Mm -hmm. raising the stakes. Most people don't raise the stakes because it's scary normally. But, you know, for, for a constant student, I always, I always have a project, for example, whereas it's easy to get stuck doing uh, courses all the time or I'm just doing work and I'm learning through work and I completely get that. The project's not so you can become a millionaire or, or a big superstar or the world's best podcaster. It doesn't matter what it is. But if you actually commit to something that's real in the real world and not just a theoretical exercise, mm. that raises the stakes. And it's so much more effective than like going and paying for all these courses but never taking action or going to university for years and waiting years to take action and build a portfolio or get work experience or even traveling or putting yourself out of your comfort zone by spending a semester abroad or, I don't know, going traveling around East Asia for six months or something like that. Just like that is a simple, simple but very big thing. That is the ultimate eighty twenty. Raise the stakes, mm. don't delay, and don't yeah, let 100%. fear be the barrier. So I that re- is, uh, <clears throat> oh, sorry. sorry yeah. No, I was just going to say, I remember early on doing, like if you do a personal development course specifically, you you haven't done anything until you've actually done the action items that you yeah, prescribe for yourself. <laughs> like, for example, you do a, you do a three-week course on something, you've actually you haven't done anything to you actually taken the first step towards whatever outcome you've defined, which that actually used to confuse me at first. Cause you felt, I felt like I was doing something, but I hadn't until I put, you know, and you, are, put it you, in motion. you aren't, you aren't doing nothing, but the real thing is you're preparing maybe to open a door, but you still have to, you can't just, yeah, that's, a you good still point. have to actually open that door. Nothing um, is a, 
Nothing, nothing yeah, is a, a waste. Wrong... Maybe, maybe it moves you from one side of the room to the other. But yeah. at the at the end of the day, when you're as soon as you're ready, and not a moment later, you should actually open the door, and that that is the transition point. Whereas everything else mm. is, it's kind of like you've walked into when you go to laser tag, and you walk into the room where they're giving you, all right, this is how you play the game. This is the if something bad happens, this is what you do. And it's just yeah. the bare. It's just three or four minutes. It's not four years and forty thousand dollars of debt. <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. it's just the bare minimum. This room is about preparation, and now go play the game and figure the rest yeah. out. And that's maybe about the best. awareness. That's basic awareness, honestly, basic mm. awareness. And I think that is more than fine. You don't need to just dive into the yeah, deep end harsh. without without knowing. No, no, no. You, we're just giving context and clarity to the yeah, point. Yeah. But you're one hundred percent right. Uh, don't get too satisfied with <laughs> consuming things because it's a lovely feeling. Anyway, yeah. great point because tomorrow we're going to talk about just-in-time learning and why it's better than memorization. And if that doesn't make sense, what the hell are we talking about? Memorization is what you do for about a decade and a half through formal education. And so just-in-time learning is the opposite of of that. Yep, links in the show notes for anything relevant. Big thanks to Luke. Excited for Tim Ferriss. See you guys again for that tomorrow.